Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the Coach HP Show 12-29-21. Last show of the year. What a year it has been. A year where a lot of people are winning. A year where a lot of people are losing. I've tried my very best with this show to show you guys why other people are winning. Lessons they've learned. How they dealt with failure. How they find their success. How they're able to maneuver in this new world of technology. Of social media. Of expectations. Of comparing themselves to others. And I think today's guest represents all those things into one. I always try, I told you this on the show, I always try for my last guest, especially the last guest of the year, for it to be very strong. And I think I got the strongest person to end this thing. As I personally look to next year, so many good things, so many good Bases have been set for 2022. Honestly, with this kind of stuff, you never know what's going to win, what's going to lose, what people are going to like. But as long as you're truthful and you stick to things that you have fun doing and you would do regardless, I feel you can't lose. That's why I love doing this show. Because no matter what, no matter if people see it, they don't see it, they hear it, they don't hear it. I just love doing it. I love talking to people. I love making people feel good about themselves in a very honest way. And I love what makes them tick, what makes them special. So that's why today's guest is one of my favorites, one of my favorite episodes. She has, she has a career that spans over three decades across sports, entertainment, music, and media. She's developed a modern playbook for how athletes and entertainers navigate their multifaceted careers while developing business and strategic partnerships that expand reputation and onboard new audiences. Wow, look at all those words. Those are words of winners. She's the co-founder and CEO of Smack Entertainment, a talent management firm, business incubator, an Emmy-nominated production company she co-founded with Michael Strahan in 2011. She got her start at the NFL, serving various roles across television programming, sponsorship events, marketing, and player engagement. After 10 years at the NFL, she joined the firm, creating their strategic marketing and sponsorship division. For nearly a decade, she managed Snoop, S-N-O-O-P, dog. Elevating his performance as a multi-platinum selling rapper, singer, songwriter, producer, and entrepreneur. She helped launch his football league, which dozens of participants have continued their playing careers at the NFL. 
she manages a strong team. We're talking about Aaron Andrews. We're talking about Michael Strahan, Tony Gonzalez, primetime Deion Sanders, and a bunch of more people. Ladies and gentlemen, on this episode of the Coach HP Show, I have the none other than Constance Schwartz. Let's go. All right, three, two, one, boom. We're on. Last, for my last, Constance, for my last episode every year, I try to have the best person I think that is doing it and is doing a certain way that nobody else is doing it, right? So you, having you on for me is a huge deal because if they were to allow me right now, one person, I'm taking over the world and I have a draft of every human being right now on planet Earth. And I pick one human being to go into battle to just win and crush it 24-7. I'm taking Constant Schwartz. Thank you so much. That's amazing. I'm so honored. I can't even, I don't even know what to say. Thank you know, you. So you're just a winner. That's all you got to say. I feel that right now, Constance, is your perfect time as I had. Hold on, because Andrew's here. I think Andrew wants to come in. Let me, let me, oh, Andrew likes to listen. Let me, let me, let me let Andrew in there. Okay. He's in there too. I I feel right now, and I had a conversation with him, and I was telling him that I was almost offended that there wasn't like at least a billion articles about you, like on YouTube and this and that. And I was just finding stuff and everything was really, really back end for a while back. But then I saw some stuff that you weren't really doing a lot of press and stuff like that. Why is that? Because I think your story and the way you look at stuff is so unique and just winning across the board. Is that a change that you've done now currently? It is a change. Um, I've been behind the scenes for my whole career and it was just sort of how you were raised or trained and things like that. And it was my job to help other people achieve their highest talents, achieve their mission, their calling. And I enjoyed it that way, honestly. But I started working with Andrew less than a year ago because what I realized is in order for me to be even better at my job for all of our clients or whether it's now Jackson State or just other people's missions that I'm as passionate about, I had to be in front of this, um, front of the camera, in front of whatever you want to call it, in order to be better, to do better. And what really hit home for me, because I was still pretty uncomfortable with it up until about a year ago, is a bunch of my female colleagues and younger women said to me, it's your duty to do this for those that are coming behind you, because it's important that everybody can know you don't have to be born with a silver spoon. You don't have to go to an Ivy League school. You don't have to have all the connections that hard work, grit, determination really does pay off. And that was what something like this just stuck with me um, that just said, all right, let me get out there. And that's when uh, we brought DKC and Andrew into the fold. I love that you said that. I'm, a, I'm such a fan of women in general of just the capacity of how they can just dominate and just execute. And as, as a sports guy, nobody understands women till you really coach them. 
and how just they're like animals dude, compared to the boys. The boys are a disaster, but the girls are just <laughs> assassins, Constance. Did you play any sports growing up? Did you have that killer instinct when you were young? Where did that come from? I did play sports, not at the highest level by any means. I'm an only child. I was a tomboy, so I grew up playing softball. And then, funny enough, I was raised Greek Orthodox, and there's something called Goya, which is the Greek Orthodox Youth of America, and they would do these uh, Summer Olympics up at Syracuse University. So I, I ran track and field and then softball there, too. But I was tiny. Like They used to call me Shorty on the high school softball team, and they would just sometimes tell me, just get down as short as you can because they're going to end up walking you and I was always about the team so I was like no problem like I, I don't have to win you know on my own like because you know it's I think that's probably where it also started being a team player working in sports you know one we have many models here but one of like our really I think the DNA the threads throughout the whole company is it doesn't matter how good you play your position if the team still loses and that's something that's so important here is we we like to be more um, mentoring and nurturing than the whole, you know, you kill what you eat. I don't like that. I know it works for other companies, but here at our company, everybody does really help each other out and leans in. And again, I mean, we work predominantly with a lot of not necessarily athletes, but people in sports. And if they're not in sports, they definitely have the teamwork, you know, DNA coming through them. I got to know what position did you play in softball? Pitcher. You're a pitcher? Are you lefty or righty? Lefty. <gasps> Constance, hold on one Southpaw. second. Southpaw. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do for you right now. You see this glove right here? I see that. I love that. I love the face on there. I love this, your is, logo. this is a custom Coach HP glove. It's a lefty. I hacked it because I'm lefty too. I'm going to send this. I'm going to give this to you. For just because you said that, that's going to be my Christmas gift or Hanukkah gift to you. I love that. Thank you. And we're going to play some catch with it one day because people don't understand how, even though softball, you know, even being a pitcher of softball, it's so hard because softball, you're so close to the pitcher, I mean, to the batter. You have to react a certain way. People don't give softball players their credit. Do you notice that? I, I, I do. I do. I, I Many times I came close to getting whacked in the face. Now, as I look at your history, I see a lot of your mom in you, just like this grit and like this assassin, you know, just like, just go, 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 go. I don't see any mention of your dad. It, I, in my situation, is very interesting, Constance. My dad prepared me for everything in life except to deal with him. <laughs> he abused the shit out of me through baseball, like in a real, real, real bad fashion. I'm Cuban here in Miami. That was the thing in the eighties. You don't mention your dad much. Was he around or no? He was around till I was in high school. Um, it's very interesting. Cause now that I think so many people are talking about mental illness and mental awareness, my dad was one of the first people diagnosed uh, with bipolar disorder, manic depression. And this is back in the mid eighties. So obviously as a child, I didn't know what was going on. Like if he disappeared, my mom would just, you know, cover for him because she's so strong and somebody like I emulate. But then all of a sudden he'd be home on the couch for a month and I'd be like, well, what's wrong with dad now? And it's like, no one understood depression per se or a manic high or a manic low. But then it got really, really bad after his mom passed away when I was a freshman in high school. And 
we were both just kind of like, he's got to go. And my mom um, is a saint. I don't take after her in this way. She's always looking for the good in people and forgiving. And so after he left and, you know, just super, super manic high, drugs, hookers, like guns, you name it, all of it. But then he crashed again. And so showed up on our doorstep and was like, I need help. <clears throat> so my mom got him into a hospital, um, which is where they diagnosed him with it. And once he went on his medicine, he was good, but I just wanted nothing to do with him at, at that point. But my mom and him stayed best friends. They were legally separated, never divorced. And like every good child, um, when he got really sick in his later years, we, uh, we had to get him into an assisted living place and, and things of that nature. And my mom, to you know, the very end, just looked after him and took care of him. But I, I just did the bare minimum, just as a child, um, from an emotional standpoint. But from taking care of him, I did everything I needed to do. Like, I actually had to commit him into the uh, psychiatric hospital at the VA down in Charleston. And when he got out, I mean, excuse me, when he was committed because he said he killed somebody, which nobody knew if that was true or not. About two months later, I get a phone call from them saying, okay, we're letting him go and you need to have someplace for him to go within 48 hours and we're putting him in the homeless veterans program. And I was just like, wait a minute, he just told you he possibly killed somebody and now you're gonna let him out. And I saw back then, and this was probably 20 years ago, just how broken the system was then and it still is. And that's why uh, my husband and I are both on the board of an organization called Merging Veterans and Players, which is um, an organization started by Jay Glazer and Nate Boyer. And it brings together veterans as well as athletes because when they both are done with whether it's being in the service or whether it's um, their team, they need a new team. And, and that's one of the main reasons why we give back so much because I saw it firsthand and know that if I wasn't there for him, God only knows where my dad would have ended up. So we went deep on that one, huh? I think that, no, I'm going to tell you why we went deep because as I try to analyze your success, I think when people interview you, they, they're, they're, we're so far away from your level that we just like, we, you, we go, we, we don't get you, right? So as I try to figure out your, your specialness, I go, okay, you work with clients. They're like family to you. But what makes you so good is you're taking the temperature constantly of what's happening. Like you're like play by play and then you're five plays ahead, but you're in the mix, right? What I do is I'm, the, I'm like the kid whisperer. People reach out to me to help them with their kids and sports and stuff like that, right? My dad was not bipolar, but my dad was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So these people are like changing in the thing. So I'm always there. Ironically, I think one of the things that makes you so special is that experience with your dad, even though it fucking sucked, it helps you now be present always and be like, dude, wait, wait a minute. That wasn't in the plan. Why are you calling an audible, bro? No, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Right. Is that true <clears throat> or no? You're a thousand percent right. I didn't realize that obviously then it was preparing me for the career I'd end up having, but you constantly had to just be, okay, who's showing up? What's happening? You know, do I have to leave the house? Am I able to handle this? And 
obviously when you start working with talent at the level that I work with, whether it's, you know, Michael Strahan or, or Coach Prime or Snoop, you definitely need to just always be like, not even on the defense, but you've got to have, like you said, the five plays ahead on the offense. So you're the first person that picked up on all this. So I commend you as well, Coach. This is the greatest, I'm telling you, I was, because Constance, I was born, listen to me, I don't attack people like I attacked you because I go, I gotta have her on the show. I gotta give you a lot of credit. You responded to a DM of mine on a Saturday because pe people see you winning now and they're gonna be like, oh, she's always been that way. But this is just a lot of work, even though you look super young and you got the glow and everybody's happy. <clears throat> it's, you, it's a lot of work. And as you enter this place right now, where you're gonna start to receive the attention that you deserve from the work that you've put in, I don't want people to be like, oh, it just gives you these bullshit interviews. I want people to dig deep into you because that's where the answer of your specialness is. And, and this generation has that very easy, like, oh yeah, she's just, it's it just happening. Bullshit. You answered my DM on a Saturday night. I think you're eating a poppy steak, if I'm not mistaken, here in Miami. <laughs> I, I was going to go cover the Orange Bowl. I was so upset. I did not know you were there and stuff. And then the second time you respond, like you respond to DMs so good, just like me, by the way, especially when it matters. Have you always been that prompt? Because as you enter this Hollywood, big people, world, people have this bullshit of, oh, she, she sent me a message. Let me wait three hours. So she looks like I'm busy and stuff. I love that you just attack, man. Have you always been that way? I have. I have. I, it's, you know, it's just <clears throat> how I attacked whatever, you know, finding my first job out of college, when I had to make the decision that it was time to leave the NFL, it's just always jump off the bridge and figure it out later. I mean, unfortunately that's half of, you know, the good and the bad, because whenever I jump into a new business venture, I'm not worried about the paperwork or the deal. It's like, I know in my heart and my gut is the right thing. And, you know, if you do good work, it'll, it'll work out. You like to think most cases, but it's, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's never, um, as easy as it looks, as you say, I have zero tolerance for this, everybody won a trophy generation, the participation trophies. You as a coach understand this better than anybody. Um, the, the clients that we work with, we joke about it, but I would say you don't come here if you don't wanna hear the real deal because we only know how to tell the truth. When it comes to getting the guys and ladies ready for their next big, whatever it's an audition or a meeting, I'm not like, you've got this, here we go. I just literally say, <laughs> I say, don't fuck this up or don't embarrass me. And they're just like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, like talk to your spouse for that. Like massage, you know, that's going to get your ego where it needs to go. You played at the highest level of whatever you're doing, whether it's music or sports or broadcasting, you don't need me to tell you that you're good because you're fucking good or you wouldn't be a part of the Smack family. So even a, a good friend of mine, I love this story. Uh, so I don't know if you knew um, Chef Capon is. He ran a bunch of restaurants in New York City. Really good friend. Uh, the Thanksgiving Day pregame show for Fox Sports. They wanted to have a chef on. And I was like, Josh would be the perfect person. And so Josh is getting ready to go on, which, you know, obviously the Thanksgiving Day pregame show is one of the highest rated. And Josh, I hit him up and I just said, don't embarrass me. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's what you're telling me before I go on? I'm like, absolutely. And he crushed it. And I said, see, I'm like, your wife's the one and your kids are going to tell you like, you got this dad, you got this hubby. So 
We all have the same mentality. Now, let me ask you a question. So when you're at that moment, who do you turn to to pump up? Do you have, I got lucky. I got the chip in me. I don't need anybody to pump me up no time. Are you the same way or is, or is that the husband? Who do we got that, that cheers us on? Uh, my husband, obviously my number one fan, my number one supporter, but like you, in a lot of cases, nobody can make me feel better. It's like, I usually listen to some music to get my mind right on some things or what type of music content, what type of music are we listening to? Everything. If you ever saw my Spotify playlist, you'd be like, this bitch is all over the place. I mean, you know, and I do Pilates three days a week and we play music and some mornings, you know, I've got to have my Snoop on some mornings. It's LL. Some mornings it's a little Darius Rucker and a country playlist. Sometimes it's some old school, you know, seventies and eighties R and B. So just really decide like my mind, but for a really like get my mind super right. I need to pump up. It's Eminem. Lose yourself. Yeah. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. Constance, you did something that I wish I would have done, man. I used to tell people all the time you left high school early. I did because you were a genius or because you were a gangster. Which one of the two was it? A little of both. Maybe Um, (laughs) my mom, as I told you, you know, single mom, I was going to Catholic high school in Yonkers and as I was getting, you know, ready for the course load for senior year, they said, you're going to be taking all AP classes, which I don't know if that term still is relevant, but basically it meant all my senior year classes would count towards college. So I said to my mom, why don't I just go to college and save you the money for this one year? So we didn't, you know, tuition at SUNY Oswego, I don't think was much more than the high school tuition she was paying. And so that's, that's how it went. But I'm not fully a genius. Uh, I almost didn't graduate early because I was failing my art class. And my mom went to talk to the teacher and she said, is she not doing the work? She said, she's doing the work. My mom's like, so she's just bad at art? She's like, basically, I'm like, well, you can't fail her then if she's still trying, she just sucks at art. Could never color in between the lines when I was a kid either. You mentioned you're lefty, I'm lefty too. How crooked do you go with the paper? Like a little bit when you write or super? No, I don't, I'm straight on. I just get the ink on my hand. Doesn't that suck? And then that we have the, the things on the side that, that always oh, hits us. It's so, sometimes I go backwards with the spirals. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know what I do? That might be a lefty thing. I read pages or books from the end forward, like magazines. I go from the end forward. I don't know. That makes oh. me weird or not. Do you do that? No, you're not weird. I haven't done that one though. No. Do you, so I bat righty and I golf righty, but everything else is lefty. What about you? Ooh. So you are. You are like, let me tell you who you are. You're like Randy Johnson. You're like Madison Bumgarner. That's a special thing. No, I'm all the way lefty. I You're do, all the way lefty. I, I do. I do majority stuff lefty. You don't want that in baseball because you don't want your pitcher, Constance, exposing her arm because it could get hit. Right. So we got to protect you. You know, we got to do stuff like that. When Yonkers, right? So I'm... I always have this thing about people from New York that they're just winners, you know, it's just winning, you know? And for me, every time I'm in New York, it's like, I'm in like the old Mount Olympus or something, you know, and the people, you guys from up there are just smarter than all of us, more aggressive. I, I just love it. What is it about, let's say that Yonkers place? Cause I've heard of it. I've heard it in songs. I've never been there. What about do, that? Do you bring with you wherever you are? 
Strahan gets so annoyed when I do this, but it's this Y-O for life. <laughs> it's just a thing that you wear it as a badge of honor. We grew up, it was a 22 minute train ride to the city, but it was still the suburbs. So, you know, still we're able to live like in a house with, with a, a yard and things like that. But at 14, 15, we were going into the city and you just grew up around that. And I, I'm sure the driving tests are different back then. I mean, now, but at 16, like once I got my senior license, I was, I was the friend driving everybody into the city. So everyone used to say like, they felt like it was a video game when I was driving, like once I was out of the city, but it was just, we also grew up, I think faster back then. Um, and I don't mean that like, oh, the partying thing. Cause I think kids now it's a whole different world out there, but we just were a little more mature and had access to to different I don't know it was just different like you know you just spent more time with people you were not we didn't have cell phones we didn't have the internet you didn't have any of that like you played outside when the sun went down was when you went home there was nobody texting and calling you to do it and I, I feel like I've turned into like my parent you know who says oh it was so different when we were kids but it was and there's something special about that and then right after school, we all moved into the city. And that was another rite of pass passage because three of us living in a two bedroom and we were lucky um, because we had two bathrooms where we had girlfriends that they were living with bunk beds in one bedroom, I mean, one bathroom, but I wouldn't change any of that, like any of that, you know, we would decide what we were gonna do that night. And it meant, do we eat like a good dinner or do we just go get a slice of pizza so we had money to drink? Different, just different. You know, it goes back to what you were saying is people look at my life now and don't understand what we went through to get where we are today. And I wouldn't change any of it, like not one bit. Like, would it be nice, obviously, to, you know, have grown up with money? Of course it would have, but at the same time, I wouldn't be who I am today and wouldn't, I think, have the impact that I'm having on culture and people and, and the business that we're building. I, listen, I, I couldn't agree more with you i one of my claims to fame is oregon state reaches out to me when they win the national title in 2018 to speak and i had a very a video that went viral because i spoke in front of uh the group and i said if winning a national title at the age of 20 19 is the highlight of your life you're going to be a loser when you get older right what happens is conscious and the reason why you're so important is because we don't prepare, especially men, for life. We don't teach dudes, especially ethnic dudes, to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. to deal with women, to <clears throat> speak about emotions. And I predicted about four years ago that's going to start coming into the forefront because that old school macho mentality has hurt so many people versus doing the opposite. And just admitting that, man, I'm nervous or, man, I'm overconfident, that stuff. So that's why your story and what you said there to me is super important. When you're at the NFL and you have people constantly looking over you, they think you don't matter. You're just there, this little girl, little intern, whatever. What would you tell yourself when people did that to you? Were you like, okay. Wait till I get my shot. This oh, is yeah. change. 
How did you talk to yourself that way? I don't know if you remember the movie Pretty Woman. Yes. Julie Roberts. And there's that famous scene where no one will wait on her at those stores on Rodeo Drive. And somebody finally dies. And she goes back to the other stores with the shopping bags. And she's like, big mistake, huge. That was what I just would always channel because I knew I would go on to have a very successful career, not knowing what it would be, but I just would kind of keep a mental list of, you know, the people that, like you said, looked over me and it just put a battery in my back and made me want to fight harder and do better than all the guys that brought in over me that I would have to train, you know, that were making more money than me. And it was never, if I can do this, it's always when I can do this, when I get promoted, when I'm running this department, when I get to, you know, the next level. I just never thought about failing. It just wasn't an option ever. And I wasn't bitter. I wasn't angry. None of that. I just worked harder and smarter. And, you know, I kind of have this joke that in the 90s, I never really heard of the word entrepreneur and I never heard of kale. And now I am one and I eat kale, right? So I just was very instinctual and it was very gut driven. And I was very lucky. My first boss, who was a woman, she ended up leaving only after three years of me being there because she was one of the first trailblazers in sports at the NFL. But she'd had a child late in life and had had enough and, and walked away. But at that point, I felt she gave me the tools I needed to succeed, which was she believed in me. She coached me and she gave me my shot every single time. And for that, I'm forever grateful to Maureen Rosen, who always is like, stop shouting me out. But it's true. You know, I'm not saying my career would have been different without her, but I think it would have because she instilled a confidence in me that I didn't know I needed or that I was lacking. Because as, as great as my mom is and was, she was a school teacher. She owned a flower shop. Like she didn't come from the business world. So to have Maureen in my life at, at that young age and really help mold the person that I was becoming. And then also the boss that I am today. So many of the rules she taught me, I've passed on. And just- Let, Give me a rule. Give me some yeah. rules. Give me some rules that you remember that she taught you. You're going to fuck up. We all do. And when you do, own it. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to fix it yourself. Immediately go to your boss and say, I messed up. How do we fix this? Let, let's get to the next step on that. Because it's so true. If somebody tries to cover something up and lie about it, it's going to just escalate and be worse than if you come to me and say, this just happened. Because we all, I mess up. You mess up. We all mess up. It's going to happen. Just own it and move on. So that, that's the one that really, really stuck out you know, with me. And then also um, there was a time when I was at the NFL that I was just so miserable because there was somebody that I had to work for who I didn't really get along so well with and I was gonna quit. And Maureen said, is this your future? I said, yes, it's my future. And she said, then you're not leaving. She said, this is a blip in your career. She said, this is person's a pimple on your ass and never forget that. And it was in that moment, you know, in the bathroom, snot flying everywhere, the spit. And they, and you know, people always look at a woman crying as a weakness, but we're so mad. It's just, that's how it comes out. 
And so, you know, when I washed my face, got myself together, looked in the mirror, I was like, you got this. And, and here I am 30 years later, I think it worked out okay. What a move, what a move. You mentioned Los Angeles, one of your interviews where you moved to Los Angeles. I, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 25. J-Lo had a TV show here in Miami. I got casted on it with Vanessa Williams. I got my SAG card. I go, you know what? I'm going to become an actor. I want to become as far away as baseball as possible. So I moved to Los Angeles at 26 years old. I lived in a car. I slept on the Hollywood Hills. I thought that's where the studios were. I would shower and shave at the Equinox wow. and Sunset Plaza. And I would sneak in there and I would go to like the Holiday Inn. I would go to the hotels and eat like the Frosted Flakes and the stuff like that there. I had never worked a day in my life. I've been a baseball player. So I didn't know what it was like to have a resume and stuff. Even though having a degree, I just never, I never thought of that, right? One of my biggest mistakes, Constance, when I was in Los Angeles is I, I always had identity issues growing up because what I tell people is when you grow up in the 90s and your dad's beating the shit out of you and you have nothing and you have no money and there's no TV in your room, you escape in your head. Mm -hmm. So I was able to build this extreme positivity, but I felt that I had to kind of like peacock to people or like to impress people. And that this, that was real hard for me because my charisma and my little swag and stuff really got me into the right places. But then I bullshit people. I'd be like, Oh, like hey, I used to tell people all the time. I think I joked about this with Andrew. I used to tell people I played with the Yankees, but I got injured. Kind of like to fit in it. And I fit the role. I'm six, two, I'm cute. And I got the whole swag going. And the wrong person Googled me and that was it, you know? And it was so hard for me to understand that at that time, at 26, you, on the other hand, when I saw you on the ESPN thing that they did for, for Michael, I saw you sitting on the couch, super comfortable, feet up, very authentic, right? I struggled with being authentic because I thought I was a loser my whole life. You have something that makes you feel like a winner. They go, listen, fuck you guys. I'm going to put my foot on this couch and we're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about it. Have you always been that way or did you just get that recently? It's a roller coaster. It's cyclical. There are definitely times where I feel very confident. And then there's other times where you know, my stomach shaking and the hands and it's just like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing here? I don't belong here. Or I have no idea what I'm doing or, or things like that. It, it's definitely a roller coaster ride. And I think if anyone's telling you that they've got that confidence all the time, they're full of shit. And if they are able to be that confident all the time, I'd love to get a lesson from them on it. Um, I'm definitely not confident all the time. And I had gone through something. Oh, goodness, the doorbell's ringing, sorry. Um, I'm, there's, I'm in the office today, but nobody's here this week. Listen, so. you gotta get the doorbell, whatever you gotta do, don't worry. Can, we pause, can we pause this for of a second? Of course, I'll let it decide. Okay. Do what you gotta, take your time. Okay, don't pause worry. it, because it's a package problem, hold up. Where do you live now? I go back and forth, Marina Del Rey in the Upper West Side. Oh, nice. Yeah. We, we talked about, being not confident or just being nervous, right? A lot of times at the plate, I would get cotton mouth or my eyelid would flicker or I get sweaty palms, stuff like that. 
Do you remember the last time you didn't have enough? Like, I, I'm going to tell you my last time where I definitely didn't have confidence that I was, that it just got me by surprise. Do, but do you remember the last time you didn't have confidence? Can you remember? It's, it's probably being in a negotiation or a meeting, you know, of something of that sort um, where I just have to kind of calibrate and get my mind into who am I going up against, you know, in that matter. There's one that comes to mind. I'm not going to say who it was, but it's, it's some folks that Michael and I, Strahan, both deal with. In, uh, in one of our businesses and this person is a yeller and I try not to let people rattle me, but they just pushed the, the final button. But the great <laughs> thing was Stray then just obliterated them. So, you know, it's not always on me, which is nice. That, that's the great thing too, is I have great, great teammates, not just here at the company, but I work closely with the folks at WME on a bunch of projects and, you know, like Michael's one of Michael's lead agents is a guy named Brant Joel, who's one of my favorite people to work with because he is just straight to the point. There's no, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You answer the phone and he just launches into it. But he's so great because he's in the trenches with me on a lot of our negotiations um, in, in the media side of the business. And then right now, um, I'm sure you've been following given your uh, you know, connection to sports, but with Coach Prime, I believe we've had such a year and I'm so happy that people are finally catching on to what we've been building and what we're doing. And it's not just about on field. It's what you talked about before is preparing these young men and women for life off the field, because we all know the majority of these student athletes aren't going to make it into the pros, but people don't take the time to nurture them and, and get them ready, you know, have a bank account account, pay your taxes, especially with this whole NIL just kind of opening up. Um, at the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta this weekend, they had a mobile barber shop set up at the hotel for both teams, which, you know, people don't understand that young African-American men can't just go anywhere to get, get their, their hair done. So it, it's something that we wanted to have for them right there. We started a speaker series at Jackson State that's been going so well um, that we use the on-location platform that we want to open it up to all HBCUs. And we've been bringing in people from AFLAC and Endeavor and um, USB Bank and just a whole other, you know, again, finance and business and, and those kind of things. And even um, Kenny Dichter, who's a great friend, was one of the first people to step up and help the school out and help the team out. And he also saying, I want to help the kids understand that private aviation is a path, a career path for them. So I just get so excited about it because this is probably one of the most meaningful things I've ever been involved in. No different than starting, helping start Snoop's Youth Football League 15 years ago. Well, let me take it there since you brought that up. Okay. Here we go. I feel that the man upstairs, the universe, whoever you believe in, everything happens for a reason, right? And let's take a guy like Deion Sanders, who was completely known for com being completely opposite than what he's doing right now, who even him, the greatest guy in his position, so underrated what he did in baseball because he doesn't talk about baseball. No. But if he were to talk about baseball, <clears throat> if that guy, guy would have been a full-time baseball player, 
he'd be he'd probably have four or five batting titles all stream he'd done he'd do a lot but it's just so much for that guy to be in the position where he's at right now a man of faith a man of patience a man of focusing on what matters a man that right now is changing the bullshit that these colleges do with their fucking coaches of how do you i don't understand how the fuck does a guy get fired at tennessee and he's at usc the following i don't understand that like, that's the most craziest thing in the world like and they get paid and they get paid and they get they buy people out it's a, it's the craziest thing in the world and here's yeah. this dude in the middle of nowhere just stole the best player in the country to go over there and everybody's like what huh what happened and florida state i hope florida state sucks for the next 10 years and they begged this guy to go over there and they put a statue of him all over the place because that's the problem with the system. The system fucking sucks. And it's what you just said there. And here comes this coach who cares. Here's the here's same thing you have. Why are you winning? Because you care. Yeah, you're smart. You're a hustler. You answer your phone. At the end of the day, Constance, Constance equals caring. That's it. That's it. That's it. And there's that dude too, which I love. And I'm so happy with the success that you guys are, that he's having and that they're having and all stuff. When you deal with men, young men, that's what I do. What do you see? Because I think, I know you don't have kids. I don't know what the story with that is, but I think if any woman deserves or would be amazing to be a, a, a boy mom would be you. The reason why, the boys are losing in society right now is because there's no moms like you. The moms are the reverse. Now in the African-American community, the black community is a little different because usually it's grandma and they have to be tough and the Latin community, it's reverse because moms don't want to leave their little boys, whatever. But we need more women like you around men. The fact that you're at Jackson State now in that environment that you, you were before, you weren't at that low, you'd be at the NFL but you're not at that level. What, maybe five of those kids are lucky enough are going to go to the NFL if they're lucky, right? What do you tell them? Do they even ask you for advice? Like, what is their communication there? Talk to me about that. A few of the kids, yes. Um, obviously, coaches' sons, you know, we're working with them with, with the NIL. But more than that, they'll come to us, you know, for, for, for different questions. And I'm around there a lot. But I don't have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a lot of the team. I, I did a Zoom for them the day the NIL, you know, was approved just to say, make sure you pay your taxes. Make sure you're looking at these contracts because a bunch of the kids out of the gate signed their rights over to one of those platforms and didn't understand it fully. So that's where we always are open to them saying, you know, come to us where we can help. Uh, my husband was uh, an O-lineman who played for Colgate, and then he got drafted by the Bills and got cut right away. He likes to say he got cut by the worst team in the NFL at that time. Now he's the CEO of a software company, and he just, um, the whole, I think, not the whole, but I think it was about 10 kids from the D-line and O-line, because they always get overlooked. So he just did, his company did NIL deals for, for them, which he just presented to the kids nice. yeah last weekend which was so awesome just seeing that so i'm around but they don't necessarily come up to me 
the ones that come up to me a lot. So the first week coach started practice back in January, the equipment manager quit. Oh, no, no. Sorry, he didn't quit. He uh, took off for COVID protocols. Um, Which is the new bullshit. <laughs> he said it, I did it. I said it all day. <laughs> coach said, I don't want him back. I'm hiring students to run the equipment room. So those are the kids that we talk to all the time because nice. they want the access. They want to know like, what is it that we can, we can do? Can we do internships? There's, there's one of the kids that we're actually going to hire as an intern in Jackson because we have one person from smack on the ground during the football season who moves there, lives there, is coach's day-to-day -day manager. So wherever we can help in that area. And then we'll get hit up by a lot of the students. I think the athletes just see me more as coaches person. So probably right, 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 right. haven't, you know, felt comfortable enough, which we're more than happy to, but they have those relationships with the younger kids in my office. So like Georgie Moskowitz, who works here at SMAC, she got her agent's license in Mississippi because we're making sure we do everything by the book because we clearly know the NCAA has got eyes on us tenfold because it's Dion. Um, and then Sam Marini, who I was referencing is the one that lives down there. So I think Instead of me, they're probably more comfortable going to the younger generation, which I think is great. I do. I uh, I spoke at Duke, I think like a, like a couple months ago, and I stress, listen, stuff that you brought up there, taxes. I talked about, listen, dude, dudes, stop videotaping girls when you hook up with them. Because that's going to get, but we don't, the problem is we don't talk about that. It's literally, I would eliminate I would eliminate all the college algebras and have courses on what to do with a chick. Yes, it's all, especially from all perspective, it's great to brag. You got a hot girl, bro. It's awesome, man. Here's the problem. You worked with rappers. When a rapper does something crazy, everybody loves it. When an athlete does something crazy, it costs them their life. And they don't understand. And it's hard to, listen, I had a, I had a guy the other day big wealthy guy he pays me to work with his kid it took me 40 minutes to get the kid out of the car for a golf lesson kid didn't want to do it right but what i tell people is we don't teach the communication we don't teach questions it's literally go like go just like 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 coaches don't want the reason why Dion's successful over there because he's actually coaching what people don't know and what you know is the better the program, the less the coaching, because it's literally you have the best players in the country, and let's go, especially in college, which is like there's no draft, just stuff like that. You in your office, you don't have titles, if I'm not mistaken. Everybody's we, so we or did we start getting titles? We started titles. We didn't have titles um, because, as you and I talked about, when I was an assistant. And people will be like, what's the assistant doing in the room? I never wanted the team to have that same feeling. And I always felt if I'm putting you in the room, that's good enough. But with COVID, a lot of things changed. And Michael and I listened to the team. And as we started having, I think, a bigger presence in, in the business world, whether it was media or whether it was on the brand side of the business, a lot of the younger group felt it was important that they had a title in order to be in these rooms. So we said, if you guys want titles, so be it, you still have titles. So we didn't make a change over this last year. And that was something because it is a two-way street. It's not just, you know, Michael and I say, this is how it goes and that's how it goes. We heard from enough people that 
it was important for their self-confidence and for them to be in some of these rooms that they had titles. So we now have titles. I love that. A couple more contests. I could talk to you all day, but I know you're there at the office, so we're not going to take too much here. I, when I look at you and I see you now, you have your talent, but you're also doing production stuff and helping other talent. It's almost funner because you're not like on the clock with them and it's almost like you can help and you're not that attached because whatever. Have you found that to be as rewarding because it is that way that you're now getting recognized that you're able to make other people pop that isn't just your core of people? Do you mean the, like the docs are producing that have nothing to do with everything? Yeah, yeah, everything you that you're that you're putting your hands on. Do you feel that? Oh, I love it. I love the business side of it. I mean, that's that's just the thrill of the deal, the thrill of getting it done, the chase, and then seeing the success and having our clients win. You know, we've got I think five people have podcasts now, which yours is so fantastic. So you know how hard it is to get it going. So the ones that wanted it, you know, we're super hands-on with that. And it's not just about getting it off the ground. It's let's get some merch going and, and just round it all out. And on the production side of the business, the fact that we do produce outside of having any client involved is a huge win for, you know, our, our scripted and non-scripted folks um, as well. So it, it's fun, you know, and, you know, I love getting a note from someone that says, oh, we saw the Smack logo at the end of the show, congratulations, and things like that. And it, it's it's exciting that people now can identify a Smack project, a Smack brand. You know, people know what we will attach our names to and what we won't attach our names to. So, you know, we've only been around for 11 years. And, you know, the fact that A, we're still here, B, we're growing and C, we came out of the pandemic and we have a brand that people can associate with and, and understand us is, is a huge win for, for Michael and I both. I love that. I love that. I, I got drawn to you way back when, but I wasn't doing a podcast. When I saw Michael Strahan winning, how he started to win off the field, I go, there's somebody behind this. This, this isn't just because it's, it's, it's not, it wasn't in our DNA. Now it is because we're seeing it, you know, but one of the reasons that, that I, I told Andrew, I said, I got to get around before next year, whatever, is that you started to pop off all of a sudden people started to give you the recognition and I didn't want to, I wanted to be on the clock that I believed in you way back when, not now that you were Jeff Bezos going to the moon and all this big stuff, right? I wanted to be on the clock BC back then. How was that experience being with that type of a, uh, person in that kind of environment it was mind-blowing on so many levels because he couldn't have been nicer and more giving and and just brilliant like to be in around brilliance like that just something so minor he would say that was just to him probably for me I was like just drinking it all in but to be there and see what they're doing and why they're doing it because it's not about a joy ride to space it's about understanding that this planet is fragile and we're running out of resources as we all know right and that's you know why they're doing it and and when jeff and lauren asked if michael would go 
he immediately said yes. And of course I was like, this is amazing. And then after about a you know, couple of weeks, he's like, I, you, you just jumped right on it. You think it's a good idea? I was like, well, now you want to back out of it. I'm going to get the blame if something happens here, you know, but people would ask me, would you go? And up until that rocket lit up, I said, when I'm 90, I would go, you know, I've had a good life. Something happens. The minute those boosters fired up and I was standing there and it was Tony Gonzalez and Jeff and Lauren and, and just, and all the other families. And you're just like, it's like, I still want to go. And, and Tony Gonzalez and I were lucky enough to go in the simulator capsule and right. just see what it was like. And I asked so many questions and, you know, when you're in mission control or you, you know, I had to get safety training because I was going to be so close to it and they're explaining it all. And you just see the, the drive and the passion and the reason that everybody's doing it is to save our planet. It's not to just go into space for a joyride. I was all in. And, you know, when, when Michael touched back down and the rest of the original six and seeing their faces and, and coming off the capsule is just, Wow. Like I was like, I get it and I want to go. <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine what, what that's like. As you look forward to next year, right? Everybody's like next year, next year. Every, nobody says, hey, 2022 is going to suck. Get ready. We all have that thing, right? What is Constance? No bullshit me. Don't bullshit me, not Constance. What are you excited about yourself? I don't want to hear about Jackson State. They're going to do great. They're going what are you yourself excited about? Could be the Pilates class that you have, the, the new hairstyle, the whatever. What are you yourself excited about? A vacation. Um, I, I definitely am looking forward to a vacation, which I'm not able to take until mid-March, but <laughs> I need is to it just are you just going you and the husband? Uh no. Well, we'll be Part of it'll be us. Part of it is a, um, it's his club trip. So he hosts all of his top performers. And then we go off with a couple friends um, and, and just decompress. So we can do a vacation together. We, we didn't for a while because we always had friends coming along. And right. I think it was last year. No, last year was the wash. It was two years ago that we ended up in Hawaii together for 10 days. Then we, we had a great time together. And obviously COVID, I mean, I think it could have gone one way or the other for many couples and families, because my whole relationship with him, we've both been traveling um, and on the go. And so when COVID hit and we were together, you know, for that year straight, it was, uh, it was really bonded us. It brought us closer together, which was good. That is awesome. Where's your favorite vacation place? The Four Seasons Lanai. It's, it's just my happy place. It's magic. Um, when I want to decompress, but I do love a good St. Bart's trip, which I call adult spring break. Ah, St. Bart. You know, my buddy owns the Four Seasons of Lanai. Ain't that crazy? No. I swear. Uh, the dude that was living in a car in Los Angeles became friends with the guy that owns the, I think the I, I think they own the island of Lanai. They do. Larry Ellison. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You need to go. You, you know what my problem is, Constance? I, I started this show three, last year in the pandemic. It has changed my whole life because it's what I was born to do. Other than the speaking, this show, to me, it's it's what I was born to do. I've gotten like five offers from very credible people. And some follow through, some don't. But I'm so obsessed with doing this. And then I have 
a three-year-old and a one-year-old and who are now, it seems like they're sick every single day. I got, but I got real lucky. I married the love of my life. So I got the hottest woman that I could get on the planet. So I'm obsessed with this lady. And I just am, I'm not there yet to, to go to those. I, I hopefully at some point I will, but I'm not there yet. I, as I want to wrap this up with you, I, I'm so excited with what you're going to do in the future. I'm so excited to see more people give you the love that you deserve and, and to see you really start letting loose. Cause I know you let loose in meetings and stuff, but it's going to come to a point that you're going to start letting loose on this shit. You just start firing, you know? And I think that's going to be, that's going to be amazing. Before I let you go, any questions for me, anything I can help you with? No, I appreciate it. Oh, I do love, who made you, whose painting is that? That's so dope. Which one? Over your right shoulder. That one? Yeah. I'm going to get you one of those. Oh. That's a guy that, uh, that I help. I get about a thousand, I get about 500 to a thousand DMs a week about people just asking me for advice on stuff and, and how to help them and stuff like that. And that's a dude, Sal, Sal's famous. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to, I'm going to get you. Love it. Love it. He put a bunch of stuff. See your, see up there. See that little. Oh yeah. 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 Your Barstool logo. See that sign. First person I had on the show is my girl, Erica Nardini. Oh, I love it. It's my girl. Ain't she the best? First time I was, uh, last time I was nervous was I went to New York August of last year and I'm sitting there. And when I'm sitting in her office, my mouth started to get dry. I go, look at me fucking getting my mouth dry at this age. Look at me getting a little soft here. So I kept getting water, water, water. Then I went on her podcast. And other than you, I think I absolutely destroyed it. The best episode of Token CEO is mine and yours. And that was the last time. And expectations is something for me, Constance, that it's, it's easy when, when you start to do something, I started to do a YouTube channel when I was 38 years old vlogging. So nobody had ever done that before here in Miami, <clears throat> kind of like what you're doing now. Last question I want to ask you is for me, the hardest thing was having people who are well-known and very successful that could change your life, tell you, you're the best person. You're the goat. You're the best of all time. And then get amnesia and do absolutely nothing. I'm sure that's happened to you and your, <laughs> I know how I dealt with it, right? My wife and the people, my wife would be like, don't people just follow their word? I'm like, baby, that's how this thing works. People just, it's, they get excited and they just, you know how it is. How would you deal with that? We deal with it every day, unfortunately. I, you know, I say to stray mediocrity has become the norm. And the fact that our own partners can't return calls or emails and it's taking a year to get, a deal papered, you know, and things like that. It, it's so mind blowing that we just continue to drive and push and motherfuck people and hold them accountable. That's the key is holding people accountable, especially if it's somebody that we have to deal with. If it's somebody that we don't have to deal with, but when it's, you know, I always say like when our home team doesn't have our back, what are we supposed to do? So we just, we pivot, we are resourceful. We've learned to sometimes get the no so we can go get the yes someplace else, which is fine. Um, and just 
Unfortunately, you have to manage your expectations. I like to say I'm, I'm always cautiously optimistic. I'm a very positive person by nature, but also pragmatic, which a lot of times people think those two can't coexist, but that's how you have to balance in this day and age. And just know who you can count on and just lean on them. You, you learn that, right? It's, it's unfortunate that you're gonna lean on the wrong people, but as long as you find a lesson in every failure, then it wasn't a failure. That's that's how we look at things. That's my hoodie. I had a hoodie that says there is no failure. Only two things we can control, Constance, effort and attitude. Amen. That's it. That's it. Dude, how awesome was this? I mean, come on. It was on. great. Thank I, you. We, I, I can't wait to see you in person. Dude, we just changed your whole trajectory. Right now, when you do some bullshit interview, you go, no, 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 no. Stop no, this. No, no, no. We're going to change it in two seconds. Listen. People can, I'm going to say bye to you the right way. So don't hang up just yet, yeah, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to stop the recording. People can find you obviously in smack S M A C. Correct. Correct. Sports, media, and culture. Yes. And Constance, your Instagram is at con Schwartz. She'll respond to you. If you're lucky, if she's not, don't take it out of her head. She's just conquering the world. Okay. All right, Constance, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to stop this okay. before you go. I'm going to thank say you for having me. Of course, dude. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.